You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. And welcome back at the Oz Network. We are chugging it along with uh, season three of Nip Tuck Run episode five, Grand Will Track. Um, the uh, much talked about, at least in our last episode, um, episode of Nip Tuck. So looking forward to actually talking about it instead of just previewing it. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's an interesting episode and looking forward to uh, getting into all of the, the crunchy details therein. So um, you're with me here. My name's Nick and uh, 14 hours in this place without a cup of coffee. Even Gandhi would become a narcoleptic. And my name is Ben. And if I get locked alone in this room with Nick any longer, I would just will want to kill someone. <laughs> well, Ben, we uh, we talked about this being a, a, a somewhat weird episode, so um, it's going to be fun to, to talk it all through. Yeah, I, I just as I said last week, I just don't know how I feel on this episode. I mean, it's not even like a Mama Boone one where we kind of said like this is a kind of a strange episode. I mean, this really like if you watch, if you just gave this episode to somebody to watch and they knew nothing about Nip Tuck, you would not know Nip Tuck's a medical show. Um, I mean, I know we've kind of got a medical story in this with Granville Trap, our titular character, but I don't know. There's just something about this episode that just does not sit right with me. And I mean, there is some, I think, one very important element to this episode when it comes to the background of Christian. But even then, this is something that just doesn't really get that explored moving forward. <laughs> that right. Um, so, yeah, I. I don't know how I'm going to be with this episode when it comes to the end of it, but um, I'm still looking forward to discussing and kind of, you know, hearing your thoughts on this one and, and where we where I might go with this one at the end of this episode. Yeah, well, I think I said a little bit earlier in, in this season that I think the episodes that are, that are centred around the Carver are, in a funny way, the worst episodes of this thing, even though that this whole season's supposed to be the Carver because this is a medical show. It's not a not a kind of police procedural, and I think the ones that become about that, um, it's a bit of a struggle because I don't think, especially at this stage in his career, this was really Ryan Murphy's strong suit. I think maybe he's gotten a bit better at that with the kind of OJ Simpson stuff maybe, but I think, you know, it's just... It, it doesn't feel all, all that much like Nip Tuck, um, but I guess they only learn by by trying stuff here. So you know, I, I do like that we kind of we kind of head straight in with this murder scene, and you know, it, it's a, it's a great way to start because I think sometimes on Nip Tuck they can be a little bit slow to get into revealing what's happened on, on those cliffhangers. And we, you know, one of the things I hated about that first episode when we came back after Christian had been attacked was um, that they were really slow and we, we kind of went through the stupid dream sequence. So I've got to give them some credit that we, we dive straight straight into the aftermath of this attack and um, Ray Reynolds is kind of laid out on the bed, you know, completely covered in blood and um, the word fraud written above her in her own blood. You know, I think it's it kind of just sets the tone of this whole episode, really. Yeah, and I mean, we got Kit back, we love Kit, although I will say, like, as much as I love Rona Mitra, there is definitely some scenes in this episode which really do play up to her strengths, and there's definitely some that really play against her weaknesses as an actress, so uh, I kind of think this is an up and down episode for Rona Mitra, but I do like this stuff, like the crime scene and kind of the flashing and kind of we've obviously got the word fraud written on the wall, and like, I mean, the whole Carvey storyline is very intriguing, as we've talked a lot about, this was kind of the peak of Nip Tuck's ratings that everybody was talking about. This is water cooler television. Who's the carver? Who's the carver? Oh, I bet it's this person. I bet it's that person. So, I mean, I can understand how we kind of need an episode to address 
sort of this in a way and have it as a red herring. But uh, I don't necessarily agree with who they choose in this episode and how they do it because there's a lot of plot holes with the way they deal with this, particularly when it comes to the evidence which clearly Kit finds here, which conveniently gets forgotten about at the end of this episode when a certain person gets released. So um, the one thing I will say that this episode has redeeming about it is that when we get to the finale and when we know who the carver is and when, you know, we, I think we're going to have to maybe sort of in a way take a large portion of that episode to talk about the clues and things that we can go back and discuss. And there are definitely elements of this episode that we can't discuss right now without revealing who the carver is. Believe me, if we went into this as a spoiler podcast, we could be dropping it left, right and centre, going, oh, this is here, this here, this here, this here. So this is one thing that I think kind of this whole season, I, I'm sure Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk kind of planned this out. Um, so we kind of had these references to it, but, um, you know, this, there's nothing to me about this opening scene. Like if this opening scene was in something that wasn't a, um, you know, a, a medical show by all means, it would probably be fine. But, um, yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm ranting. I think it's a worthwhile rant, though, because I think this is, yeah, we're starting to get into that Carver stuff, and, and I think that so much relies on, and, you know, this is something I'm going to probably talk a lot about at the end of the season, so much relies on you being able to buy, you know, who the Carver is and how that story evolves, and so the stuff we see now, it has to feel believable, it has to feel that when you get to the end of it, you're not going to sit there and go, but what happened in that episode five with the whole, you know, the whole storyline that happened there doesn't make sense, then, you know, that's not going to be satisfying. So I think it's it's definitely an important thing to talk about as we kind of go through this. But we, we kind of move into our, our only patient and our only kind of scenes in the, um, well, I, I guess other than his surgery scenes, obviously, um, is this Granville trap. And I, I hate how they open this, where they kind of get his name wrong. Because I don't get again, that. It goes back, well, I guess what it's saying is that, um, you know, nobody recognises him. Um, you know, so that every, it's easy to get his name wrong because nobody ever recognized. You know, it's, just, it's that opening for him to kind of start it's this kind of force. If that's what it is, it's just, I don't know. Like, yeah, I get, yeah. I get that, but it's just, I, yeah, I'm with you there. It's just kind of, is this just the ineptness of the the Nip Tuck staff again, or is it just kind of Christians yeah, had a yeah. boo boo? Or because yeah, it well, feels it's the, inept, it's the ineptness of the writing. I think more than anything else. And yeah, who's Mister Montero? Who is he? Where is he? <laughs> we're, ne- we're never going to find that out. Um, but obviously, this Granville Trap character, he wants um, he's he's got AIDS, and he wants his his cheeks kind of filled out so that he doesn't look like he's got AIDS. Um, and it's not until we're actually getting into surgery that we actually talk about the the ethics of this, about whether or not, you know, some we should be operating to make somebody look like they don't have AIDS, you know, that there might be some some ethical issues or moral issues with that um, if he goes around pretending that he's not got AIDS. Um, <laughs> which can we just, because he wants to date. Yeah, which it's kind of the weirdness of this episode, which, again, it's like... Maybe this is the overall thing of this episode too, which I've got issues with. It. You've got kind of got gaping plot holes and things that maybe the writing's a little bit lazy in this one, which is weird to say about Nip Tuck because we really don't have lazy writing in this show. But why is this only being discussed later on in the surgery? This is Sean and Christian. This is Sean. Like, you know, this is, and this is happening before what's about to happen. So it's not like you can just put it down to they're distracted. Like, surely this should be straight away the question of the ethics of this. Because, like, look, I can, you can understand again both sides of this argument. Like, he doesn't want to walk around assuming, you know, that he's sick. And, like, look, I'll be honest with you, I learnt this from Nip Tuck. I didn't realise that this was a thing to do with AIDS, that you had that sort of sucked in, caved face. I, I, I never knew that. Nip Tuck taught me this. 
Um, but like, there's got to be some ethics about it. And we're not saying that Granville Trap, and it's, it's a weird name, is it not? Granville Trap sounds like a train station or something. Um, it's, but like, yeah. it's, it's not, um, we're not assuming he's going out of his way to go and infect people. Like he's, I'm sure he's still going to go out there and be, you know, safe about this, but it still is a case of ethically, is this the right thing to do? Um, and just little things like that. And one thing that I don't, I feel, I don't know how I feel about bringing this up. It's a weird thing to say before I say something, but like we went last season when sort of Christian, it's, you know, possible that he's got HIV and they kind of had that question, like, would you want an HIV surgeon, you know, positive surgeon operating on you? What sort of, like, safeguards do the surgeons have to go through here when they're operating on him, if you know what I mean? Because they're dealing with his blood. Like, is this a thing? Like, I don't I don't know what happens in that side of things, if you know what I mean. How does it work the other way around, rather than a surgeon doing it, but the patient? So... Yeah, yeah, I think there's definitely some issues there around, you know, the the risks they're taking to themselves by operating on this guy. Um, I suppose that, you know, all surgeons take that risk because, you know, you can't discriminate against True. somebody because he got HIV. Um, so, yeah, I think there's, there's probably some some interesting stuff there that you could talk about, but the, the show doesn't really go there, not in this situation anyway. Yeah, um, yeah and so, you know, obviously we kind of, we kind of close that out and and we move into the, the, the staff room where they're talking about it and, you know, you kind of get that reveal you know, that you don't know. You know, obviously it's been placed there deliberately, the line from, you know, from Christian that he knows all about these drugs because, um, you know, he's been buying them for Gina and, you know, you don't know everything about, there's lots of things you don't know about me and then the next thing Kit comes in with the cops and arrests him for, for murder. Which is, um, this, kind of this is bad, Ronamitra. This is very, the way she comes in, put your hands on your head and, you know, you have the right to, like, it's so over the top. Like, you can see why Christian here maybe is not believing her. I don't know if that's deliberately acted this way, so she's, like, meant to be a bit questionable, but whether it's not, Ronamitra, like, I love the woman. She's gorgeous, but she cannot act for shit in this scene. <laughs> Yeah, I think she kind of plays the kind of stalky, um, you know, that, that's her. I think that, you know, this thing of kind of being um, author- authoritarian doesn't really suit her all that much. Um, this kind of feels like one of those things where it feels like you know that the, the, the audience for this thing is quite big and we're looking for unnecessarily big plot twists because this, yeah. this feels a bit soap opera-y, you know? And this like, is kind my, of yeah, like- I'm with you. This is, this is my thing with this episode, that it's just, it's forced and that... Christian now becomes the key suspect for the carver and you get here because like automatically we're questioning this can't be right he's been attacked so of course the writers are addressing everything here you know you did this you did that we even get that weird little scene of him in the mirror like with the mask and stuff like that and just all these elements to it where they go out of their way to make him feel seem guilty and even to the point and this is the thing and I'm jumping well ahead here even to the point where Sean questions whether he is guilty or not. And that is maybe my biggest issue, and we'll get to that, that out of all of this, Sean questions that Christian is guilty or not. And that's what annoys me, because this is the bond between these two, and it should not be a case where Sean ever doubts him. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and, and it is one of those things where it's kind of played up more than it should be, really. I mean... Sean knows more and you know he only has to think back in his own memory that um, you know if he thinks Christian's guilty then yeah I mean like you say there's no way that he should be able to believe that because he knows things that nobody else knows and you know he'd have to think that his best friend was was acting in a way that he'd never acted before in order to cover this up um, not only of his own 
you know attack but that he you know he'd attacked sean <laughs> so it's, it's just one of those things where it just the plot holes start here and they only get bigger as you kind of go through this this whole episode really yeah and i mean it's just kind of um there's just so many other ways they're trying to go over their way to comparing it to Ted Bundy. Like, Liz, you can maybe understand slightly him, her questioning it. Julia, even in a way. Matt doesn't give a shit. Matt's somewhere else. Matt, no, doesn't give a fuck that his real dad's in jail. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. That Just, like, the, the, I, I don't mind some of this episode and the way we're going to get here. Like, I kind of like this scene here where we get, like, the editing and the flashing of him sort of getting fingerprinted and things like that and just kind of, like, the talking. It's, it's well edited and it's very well done the way it's done the here but it's just kind of like like just so many things to questionable about this episode like as you said like it's and like it's weird us sort of complaining it's very soap opery because we've kind of gone out of our way to say that nip tuck in a way is a soap opera the way they go about some of their storylines and ryan murphy is kind of the king of making sort of these soap opery storylines work in a way that they shouldn't work. I mean, for God's sakes, watch American Horror Story this current season, uh, Cult. It's like, it's very much done that way, but it's working so well. Um, but yeah, I, this episode, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I'm convincing you, but I mean, in terms of the stylistic choices, I quite like them that they've got this, you know, um, Liz and, and Sean and, and Quentin's here as well, isn't he? Um, what's his name? Uh, what's his uh, name, Nick? <laughs> Yeah, I've, got, I've managed to get it right now. Um, but yeah, you know, you kind of got this them talking while while Christian, you know, this overlay of Christian being interrogated and you know getting his nail clippings and his, his fingerprints done and all that kind of thing. And I think that's that's really cool. I think yeah, it's done well. Um, I don't really like what's going on. Um, and yeah, then we get into this this first interrogation scene and um, you, you know, um, Kit pulls up this whole thing. You know, she's been interrogating Kimber, and I'm I'm still not entirely sure here though because she kind of talks about that she's got leverage over him because of the Kimber thing, and I, I'm not entirely sure what she means by that. Other than that, she's intimidating Kimber, but. Kimber doesn't really give anything away, does she? I just don't get the, the... I do not get this, because, like, the way Kit's kind of playing off, um, you know, Christian here, you kind of think that she's got something on him. And the way she's kind of like, oh, wait till you see this video that I've got here with Kimber. What... Do, she doesn't give anything away. She slaps her, and, like, Kit's just, you know, bitch Kit, like, I'm going to arrest her. Which, I mean, it's not really bitch Kit. She assaulted an officer, technically, so, okay, she's technically right. But, like, I question the logic of Kit's detective skills here, where she goes out of her way to put on the record that she slept with this victim, uh, this uh, this uh, witness. Is that a logical cop thing to do? Like, just this is this has been recorded. This is all being part of this case. So, like, you know, oh, but she was she was she was undercover though, Ben. She, oh, she was undercover. Of course, she was. Um, we believed all of that, don't we? Like, I mean, this is kind of like yeah. where they're trying to tie things into it. She was undercover. No, she wasn't undercover. Uh, at what point did Kit actually legitimately suspect that Christian is the carver? And I mean, like, okay, again, when we get to the reveal, a lot of these plot holes we can argue will be revealed and explained. But like at this point not knowing, and all this sort of stuff. It's just this whole sequence with her and Kit, uh, Kimba. It's just, no. The, the one thing I will say, I do like Rona Mitra. Like, when she does get slapped, I love her look on it. Like, the way she just maintains that pose, kind of puts a hand out to the cops as if say, no, not yet. Um, just, you know, I just kind of like, this is where I think that's a Rona Mitra strength that she can play up to it. 
Um, yeah. and, and also like the way she's kind of got it over Christian, the way she's got like, you know, I'll help you with your confessional, uh, you know, I'll, uh, I'll confession, it's not survivor, uh, you know, we'll work with the DA, <laughs> you can avoid the death penalty. Uh, and I kind of like even Christian when he's kind of like, you know, for, like your line, 14 hours in this place, you know, Gandhi would become a narcoleptic. And what does he say? Like, I'm going to be home by 10 o'clock tonight having a shower. I've got the joke now. Fair enough. And he tries to leave. Um, so... Yeah, I just don't get this. What What's she trying to get from the Kimber sequence? There's, there's nothing to me in that that, you know, will make Christian go, oh, no, I'm in trouble here. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things, too, of, um, you know, I, I've watched quite a bit of these kind of true crime things that have, that have popped up over the last few years and that whole thing of, you know, you, it, it is possible to get false confessions out of people as well. So maybe she's going for that. Um, but if she is, it's certainly not really... Um, you know, it's not emphasised that that she doesn't really believe him, um, but she's trying to get a confession. You know, you don't get that yeah. sense. You you get the full sense that she believes that he did it. Um, I think I think it's also important know, to note here to just quickly to interrupt you there, Nick. That the, the one thing that I really take away from this is that is this the first time Christian admits he loves Kimber? Because he says, "I do love her." Whereas, like, even when he mm-hmm. proposed in the first episode, because he couldn't say it to her, and we've obviously gotten him saying previously, I've never loved anyone. This, to me, mm. and again, you might take it from the fact he's being interrogated, but again, what does he get to uh, gain from this? Because Kimber's not in the room. It's not like he's saying it to please Kimber. So he says, I do love her. So this, to me, I think is the first time Christian's ever admitted he loved Kimber. I just took that away from it as well. Yeah, no, I think that's that's true. So, yeah, I mean, it kind of transitions out of this into the scene where Sean and Julia are off to off to um, the station to see Christian, and you know, obviously, this whole scene's been set up with Julia doubting him and, and setting Sean up to you know question whether or not he kind of can believe what what Christian's telling him. Um, and yeah, I mean, like we were saying before, it's a bit hard to to really buy into that. Um, you know, because Sean should know beyond any doubt that that Christian's not the man. But um, you know, it, it is funny how everyone kind of just so quickly doubts him. And I guess that's a point that that Christian's going to make later on in the episode. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it kind of works very well, and Christian has that point. And I think that's a very strong part of this episode because you really do feel for Christian in this episode with everything that happens. And there, there is definitely one scene in this that is incredibly powerful that. You know, again, similar to what we said last episode with the the Raya Reynolds scene, that, I mean, as much as I'm maybe going to go a certain direction with this episode, I still feel that there might be a scene in this episode that you could argue is a top five for this season. It's kind of similar to, you know, obviously when, uh, you know, I'm talking about last season with Agatha Rip, that, uh, you know, I've been that episode, but uh, still we had, obviously, I think it was our number one moment, was it not, from season two. Uh, It was at least top two moments. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just... I don't necessarily get angry at Julia questioning... I mean, at this point, obviously, uh, Sean's not really... He's full-on, like, he didn't do it, he didn't do it. But this is kind of Julia, like, you know, oh, would you stay in business with him? And, you know, and he's basically like, well, I'll help pay the legal fees myself. Um, you know, and just kind of like... This This is the part... This is where I want Sean to be adamant all episode. Like, no, he didn't do it. He didn't do it. Like, you know, I just... Yeah, we, we obviously keep going down this path, but yeah, anyway... Yeah, and I, I think then we go into the scene where, and it's quite again, it's regardless of what you think about this episode, I think some of the stylistic choices are really cool, and you get this whole um, if Christian had done it, this is what it might look like, and it's actually him with the the carbon mask on, cutting himself and you know, jabbing himself with the. Um, I was going to say anaesthetic, but it's not anaesthetic um, with the tranquilizer. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and I think that that's really well done. Um, 
so yeah, I'm, you don't have to kind of like what's going on to to recognise that there's some good filmmaking at least going on here. Um, so no, I really like that. Um, yeah, and, and I, it's still one of those things where there's a lot of blood on that crime scene and in, in Christian's house. I mean, um, so you know, if he's done this to himself, then it kind of defies you know you know you just it's hard to believe but obviously the clincher comes in when they bring in this condom you know of of christians that um we know has been um gathered by somebody else and planted there um but you know he doesn't know that so well i mean he knows that but you know it's one of those things where it's that bit of evidence isn't it that kind of pushes it against him yeah and it's like the thing that i also find weird about this in terms of the fact that in that very first episode, we see those flashbacks of Christian and we see the blood and we see the blood sort of down near his ass where obviously he's been raped. And, you know, clearly we know he's washed the sheets, he's rinsed off the evidence. As, as Kit says, there's no proof, which is a valid point. But, like, this is kind of that part of the audience where we're trying to have to make believe that. So back in that first episode when we see that flashback, is that just then the creators of the episode making us at that point believe he's not the carver to then make him believe he is the carver, if you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, it's just, this is where I have an issue with this episode and where they kind of seem to be going for something here with it. It's like, if they had have, like, gotten, and this is the thing you will find with this episode, uh, this season, though, as it sort of, particularly as it gets to the real pointy end, we kind of will get a string of episodes where pretty much everybody gets the uh, <laughs> the fact that they're the suspect of the carver. So, you know, I, th- I don't think Sean does, and I don't think Julia does, but, you know, Liz does from memory. I'm <laughs> just like other sort of things, like I'm just kind of throwing out some random things here, not really spoilers, but um, yeah, I mean, it's this is where I have an issue too, lots of issues, is that this is the evidence that Kid has found. Kid has found a condom at the scene, a used condom of Christians. First of all, can we just point out, don't we love the bit where she brings it in Found this at the scene, your size, I believe. How big is that condom? Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, I just love that random bit, your size. Like, I think it would have been almost funnier if they had made it really small. And, like, because, you know, we've got Christian always talking up how big his dick is. But, like, this almost would have been funny if it's a tiny little condom. But, you know, that condom is massive. Um, I would know. I buy them frequently. Uh, But, like, this episode, like, this is the only kind of, this is the evidence that they have to basically tie him to the scene. And yet, by the time, like, spoiler alert, he gets released... Like, it goes away. What happens to this evidence? Like, I understand why they release him, because we'll get to the big plot twist at the end. But at the same time, it's like, well, this is never explained. I mean, it will be explained in about 10 episodes time. But, like, at the point of watching this episode, you're like, what? Well, that makes no sense. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's a, such a... Lo- and is this really, like, again, I'm not a cop. I often admit to things I'm not on this show. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a cop. Can you really straight away arrest someone based purely on finding it? Like, I mean, I, I understand it. Like, if there's a victim, they've been raped and there's a used condom there. But, like, kind of as Kit sort of points out, as such a good detective, she's been brought in from merry old London, Jack the Ripper's London, because she's that good. And she points out in the very first first part of this episode how, like, he's never come back for another victim before. He's never murdered before. And so, like, when she's like, oh, maybe he's made his first mistake. Oh, here it is. Like, does she honestly believe that the carver is now that sloppy that he's going to leave a used condom behind at the scene? Surely, if she's that good of a detective, she should be questioning planted evidence. So, that's where I kind of also draw the line in the question about how they're trying to make out this carver as, you know, the meticulous sort of villain he is. That is he really that dumb to make such an open mistake like that? So... 
I don't know, like you can see why they've tied Christian. You need to explain that plot device of how have they automatically connected Christian to this. But it's just kind of like this just goes away, this condom situation until we get to the finale. So, yeah, I mean, the only bit I can take out of this is the fact that he's got such a large condom in the first place. And his lovely line when he says like when she's like, oh, who would want to frame you? I'll throw a stone down South Beach. You'll find a model I didn't call back. Start there. (laughs) I kind of like that line. Yeah, um, it's funny that you the way you're talking is that so you think that this episode is set up to make the viewer think that Christian is the carver because I never read it that way. I always read it as we we as the audience know from the start that he's been set up. Um, but you don't you don't think that? I think there's part of it that is. I mean, I think it's kind of you know it's like going back to like you mentioned last episode about how it's maybe like a bit of a criminal mind sort of things where you've you've always got to have your questions. Like you've always got to think as a viewer. I think as a viewer we can't go into this 150 percent believing he didn't do it, even though we know he didn't do it. I still think there is elements to this, like when they randomly will find the bottle of tranquilizer in his drawer, when they find out that he cuts up animals as a child, when they find out that his birth dad is a serial rapist and killer. Like, I just think they kind of go out of their of their way to give you enough sort of uh, clues for you to be the Sean in this situation and question the vali- validity of his story. So I, I think that there are definitely elements of this episode where, as an audience member, you are meant to question his innocence. Right, okay. Well, well fair enough. It's, it's definitely, and it might just be something in, in retrospect, knowing where this is going, that I it never even really crossed my mind. Um, it was always that, you know, he's been set up. Um, so, you know, it's an interesting view of that. And I think that that scene, you know, obviously where he's a kid and he's operating on dead animals is pretty weird. And it kind of comes out of left field a little bit. I mean, obviously they're trying to build the story that he's some kind of sociopath. But, I mean, we know who this guy is after two and a half seasons of watching him. So I think we can make a call that, you know, Christian has many faults, but he's not some kind of, um, you know, got serious behavioral issues like this thing is, is maybe suggesting. Yeah, it's just the weirdness of this episode that it's just, let's randomly throw this in here, that he used to cut up animals, and for some reason a newspaper wrote an article about it. Like, why? Like, you know, why is that a news story? Um, yeah. It's 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 just, oh, I don't know, it's just it's, this is where it's weird. And, like, you know, when we get to this stuff with his mum, I mean, you know, that's the scene I'm talking about, how it's a powerful scene. But it's just kind of like it's, um, I don't want to say forced, I mean... I think it's important to get a bit of background on Christian. And this may be the only thing I'll take out of this episode is that we finally learn about Christian's birth parents, um, which I think is something they were going to address eventually. Uh, even though, you know, as you said, I thought you were dead. But, I mean, you know, that's kind of your your open-ended area in a, in a TV show where, no, they're not really dead. You know, they're going to bring that up at one point. You know what I mean? It's very rare for a TV show to legitimately have that. So, um yeah, I, I just don't get this whole thing about he used to cut up animals. Oh, I always wanted to be a surgeon. Like, you know, even, even she's still questioning this. What profession is he, Kit? He's a surgeon. Like, oh, you know, we've arrested you for multiple cases of speeding. Oh, and we saw when you were younger you drove go-karts really fast. It's like, oh, I wanted to be a race car driver. Like, I mean, oh, you must be a serial speeder because you drove these. Like, come on. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's weird, and it kind of just, yeah, I I just don't really buy it, and I'm not sure they do a good job of selling it, and obviously we move into this whole thing where they're suggesting that he gets a lawyer, and it kind of, we start to transition the story out of a little bit here, 
where it's not really about whether or not he's innocent or not, but whether or not how this is going to affect him and the business going, which is interesting because that's obviously where this kind of goes long term is, you know, the impact this is going to have on him as a doctor and, and his business. Um, and immediately we kind of get into that with the lawyer about, you know, well, this is actually, you know, this, this could be quite dangerous for, you know, your business and your reputation, all that kind of thing. If you, even if you get a lawyer, it makes you look guilty. Um, you know, it all just feels like stuff that doesn't belong in a medical show, though. I, it's, it, I just keep coming back to that. It just, it feels so out of out of left field. This stuff. Yeah, and that's that's what I mean in terms of like this isn't an episode of Nip Tuck. Like if you show this to people, you don't know that this is kind of what this is. And kind of I think you said in an episode not that long ago about talking about how sometimes you don't even see this as a medical show. Which I mean, it, it you know, it's a medical show with soap opera. <laughs> I don't know how you would explain it, but um, you know, it's a different medical show, but um. Yeah, I mean, there's there's even a few bits here, like, kind of going back to sort of the kit scene there when, like, he's talking about, she's talking about Matt, um, and sort of, you know, what does she say about, like, oh, that's what Matt said about bashing up a transsexual, I was bored, and just little things like that, they're trying to show this in entirety, and, you know, it's it's not about nature or nurture or whatever the whole thing is, I mean, that might be with his, his mum, but just this scene then when, like, um, this is kind of another one of these moments where I feel at first, first time he says it you kind of get a bit of an inkling that maybe oh god maybe he's guilty before he covers his tracks when he says like i need you to go to my apartment she's got a, a search warrant and then they're kind of like why do we need to go to your apartment what, what's there and that's when he's like oh well just in case she plants anything you know what i mean like it's just the way they kind of leave that pause for yeah. you to even think yeah. like oh hang on a minute you know like uh yeah. why is he saying that and then uh what does he say about like the uh the evidence or something like that about... Oh, no, this, this, I'm jumping ahead to the Quinton scene when he asks about says, ask OJ. Never mind, I'm retreating my notes. But um, Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we, we are just jumping ahead a little bit because there's obviously some stuff with the... Um, with Granville getting his surgery, and, and we talked a little bit about the earlier, you know, of Sean getting cold feet um, as they go into the surgery. That you know, is this guy going to use this as as you know a way of attracting men and you know tricking them and and um. Quentin obviously talks about that being a, a, a paranoia that he's got, and yeah, so this, that we we get the scene, and it's really a nothing scene. It's just, um, it, it's more just talking about the fact that Sean's getting paranoid, and he doesn't believe what he, you know, he, he's believing the worst nature of people rather than the better nature. Um, so that's really all you're getting on this scene. So this is one of those those episodes where the patient's really, you know, immaterial to what's happening outside of it. And you know, every now and then you get them. I, I'm not going to get angry at the show for doing that because. Most of the time they're pretty good, and, and sometimes you don't need a patient to hang all the drama off. The, the drama itself is enough, so that's not something I have a massive issue with with this episode. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, they just they ultimately need a person to name the episode after. So, I mean, it's kind of they have to have sort of an element to it where it is that. Um, you know, I don't doubt that when we get to our season ranking of this and we go over like the the best and worst sort of single episode uh, patients and that sort of stuff, like. Granville Trap, yeah, you're not going to remember this guy as much. I mean, it's, you know, I'm nothing against the character. He's there. He's fine. Cool. Um, but, you know, I think maybe this is a case where they could have explored this a little bit more with the ramifications around what they're doing on a sort of a different episode. But, you know, he's just filler there. He's just there for the fact, no pun intended, filler with his face, uh, that he's just there essentially because they need to name this episode after somebody. What are they going to call this? CSI Nip Tuck or something like that? So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is one of those things is when you get into a pattern where um, the whole thing is naming the, the show after um, the patient, then you have to have a patient. Um, and, you know, that's quite often where we've had these big dramatic episodes that's been named after one of the major characters has been getting surgery for whatever reason. 
and we don't have that this time so we can't do that um so yeah you're right in a sense you kind of have to have that patient um whether or not they're important to the episode and, and they're definitely not um because then we move into this you know as we've kind of um been foreshadowing a little bit as that kit comes in and tries to get a confession out of Shaw, out of christian and he's saying no no no, i want my lawyer um and she says you know that they've they've basically tracked down his birth mother and there's no way that's his birth mother she does not look old enough to be his mother um, well isn't that, isn't that implied they said that she was like 14 though when she was raped so oh she's 14 sorry yeah. oh, i thought it was 17 um yeah, but he, yeah, so he meets he meets her and, and finds out basically that he's the the product of of a rape. Um, and yeah, the, the the bigger story is that this is is speaking to his genetic the um, predisposition to to being a violent person. Um, I'm not sure if that's if that's something that science has debunked by now. I don't know. It sounds a bit dodgy to me, but. Um, yeah, you made a good point earlier on that really this should be a really impactful moment where, you know, he's meeting his mother and it's just not. Um, it just feels like it's just – you don't care because you, you want you want Christian to get out of this, you know, so you actually don't really care that he's meeting his mother. It, it just falls flat. It should be a massive moment in this show and it's just not. Yeah, I mean, it's – I'd say it's the most powerful part of the episode because just that whole sequence when he just says, like, you know – I wish you were dead. Like, you know, when I'm being molested and bashed, I always thought my mother was looking down for me as an angel. Um, and now, you know, I wish you were dead. How's that for a con- confession? You know, it's it's powerful the way he says it. And, like, it's kind of... I mean, this isn't the last we see um, of his mum. She comes back in an episode, uh, I believe it's this season. If it's not, it's next season. I'm pretty sure it's this season. So, kind of, like, we do get her again. Um, and kind of the thing about his dad is we do get a sort of a a dreamish sort of sequence where he meets his so-called rapist dad in season six, played by the esteemed Robert Darby, who has appeared on this show. Of course, uh, Fran Sanchez from License to Kill, for those James Bond fans. So I remember, I don't, I think we might have run out of time before I could ask him about his time on Nip Tuck when we had him on the show, but um, we'll get to that. It's still a while away. But, um, I mean, it's kind of like... Uh, yeah, just like the whole kit sequence at the beginning there, you know, when he, she's like, I found your, your mother. And then she's like, oh, I have a soft heart when it comes to family reunions. So like in they come and like, it's a weird moment where like, yeah, I agree with you that you kind of don't really care. You want him to get out of it, but it's still, I think, an- powerful and impactful enough that I, again, could maybe put this in the nominee basket for a top five moment, but I don't think it will make it. Um, but it's also a case of his mum here, like, what are you meant to feel here? Because, like, you kind of got to see this from her perspective. She's kind of gone out of her way to not have anything to do with him. The first time she has got a call about him, oh, he's a suspect as the carver. What reason does she not have to not believe Kit here? Like, you've got to see this from her perspective. She's going to believe that he's guilty. You know, she knows where he comes from. Uh, she's heard about the Carver case on the news, and kind of when Christian says, I make $750,000 a year, I'm a surgeon. This is the one person in this episode that I think 100% should believe that this guy is guilty. You know, so that's, that's to me where I think that's the one thing to take away from this scene as well, that there is no point should this woman not believe that he's guilty. Um, but just, I mean, the acting here by, uh, Julian McMahon is fantastic. Just, you know, the way he kind of handles this and, you know, as I said, he's saying about how I wish you were dead and, you know, how's that for my confession? And just that line when he's saying that, you know, when I was molested and beaten, what did he say like about like, oh, do you have any idea what my foster parents did to me? Um, so yeah, I think kind of, it's just the wrong 
episode to have this in, even though I still will stand by that this is a very powerful scene. Yeah, and I think you probably just totally nailed it there where you're talking about it being in the wrong place. It's just, you're never going to get me saying that a scene with, with Julian McMahon is bad because he's just so good in this whole series. You know, there's not a bad moment for him, really. Um, but this just, you know, like when you think of some of those other big ones that he's been in, you know, the stuff with the priest in the first season, um, and, you know, like even the stuff with Wilbur last season and, and him finding out about Matt, and, you know, he's just, he's so good and. Here he's just he is really good, but just the context just it just doesn't work for me. This should this should be like a massive moment in the show, really, and it's it, it's just nothing. And I guess part of that is that the writers have have hidden the fact that his mother's still alive from us right up until the moment where she's actually standing in front of him. So you don't really have time to adjust and think about that all that yeah. much. It's it's just something that the show really wants to do um, because they're using her reveal as a plot device rather than a big moment of character development, and that's the big difference, I suppose, um, for a show that's all about character development they they choose to use this moment as as plot um which I, to me feels like a bit of a misstep for the show and a pretty rare one really um so yeah i, I don't want to bang out on about it too much you know it is what it is um yeah you're totally right there's some great acting there by christian and it's probably the high moment of the episode although um there's another scene in this that i in this episode that i really really like um which i'll talk about a little bit later but yeah i mean it, it could have been so much more um, but it, it does, does still have you know the things about it that you've got to like. But um, yeah, then we move on to you know they're ransacking his apartment and, and Sean and Julia are there, and obviously the the big moment is that they that well, other than finding his his um, deviant porn um, <laughs> is that they find they find tranquilizer. Um, which you know christian obviously explains a little bit later but you know in the moment it's it's a pretty shocking moment in the episode isn't it yeah i love the porn bit though like you know i'm going to say that because remember when we sort of had that uh string where we were googling all those porn titles that they had in one of those episodes um i don't know if i might google these in a second so we have the gang bang gang whip smart (laughs) of human bondage and suffering um, I just and this this is one of these Rona Mitra moments where she just plays it so well. This kind of deadpan look on her face, where she's like, "Oh, a sexually deviant masochist or whatever." The gangbang gang of human bondage and suffering, whip smart. And just the way she looks, and then it's kind of what is like Julia say something like, "Oh, but Kimba directs porn," and she defends Kimba. Kimba makes films about female empowerment. They're not about punishment. Like, just the way he says that. Uh, and I love also just the scene when she um, opens a drawer about him being a neat freak. And let's be honest, Christian is a neat freak. Holy crap, the way he's, like, organised those ties. Wow, I'm jealous. I want to do that. Um, but, yeah, it is kind of the, the plot twist shock. Here's a tranquilizer again. Another moment which, to me, it's done there for even the audience to believe that Christian could be guilty here. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting, but, uh, yeah, I might just Google quickly the gangbang gang, uh, of human bondage and suffering and whip smart, see what I can find. Please, is there a, um, please hold caller? Uh, no, like, uh, you can keep talking if you want to. Oh, um, right, you're gonna, you're gonna, um, multitask there while you, while you look them up. Apparently there's a um, band called the gangbang gang, the gangbang discography okay um <laughs> okay <laughs> a new favorite band on the oz network um yeah I that totally needs to it needs to be our outro music doesn't it maybe whip smart i'm guessing is that some sort of like sex parody of get smart or something like that i don't know that that comes up with nothing of human bondage and suffering um nothing's coming up here uh, oh, there's a novel, a 1915 novel by W. Somerset Morham called Of Human Bondage. 
Um, <laughs> talking about suffering syphilis resulting from her work as a prostitute. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it sounds like a likely story. Pretty standard, really. Anyway, uh, they obviously don't exist. These were made up for Nip Tuck. Moving on. <laughs> it, it is nice occasionally that it's uh, it is actually made up for the show because uh, you know when, when it is actually real, that's always um, slightly concerning because it means they've done their homework more than I really want them to be <laughs> on, on the show. Yeah, Ryan Murphy, you deviant. Yes. Yes, so um, we can we can kind of move on, I suppose. You know, basically, we're really sowing the seeds of doubt here in Sean's mind. But you know, to, and to be fair, I mean, um, you know, Christian gives him a hard time later on. But you know, basically, this whole time, Sean has been defending him to everybody. You know, everybody's been you know, raising their suspicions about Christian. But Sean, you know, for pretty obvious reasons, I suppose, um, doesn't want to believe it. Um, and you know. We, we get this great scene where the lawyer kind of leaves them to talk about how they're going to d- defend him for the price of three to five million dollars. Um, and, you know, and this is the scene where kind of Sean's resolve breaks and, and he kind of, you know, starts to, you know, believe that Christian could be the carver. And, and I guess that that's the moment where the audience is supposed to also connect that this could be a thing. I mean, I never do personally. It's not something that I ever feel. Um, but you know, that's that's with the benefit of knowing what's going to happen next. So not everybody watching this for the first time might believe that. Um, but I mean, I think Christian's explanation is, is really good. You know, that he basically he was having doubts because he was able to move his fingers or his toes or whatever it was um, during the attack, which is, you know, it, it is really interesting. And um, yeah, I mean, I just totally believe Christian. You know, like I think just his acting really wins me over in this moment. Yeah, I just, I, uh, this is kind of where, again, like, first of all, let's all be lawyers if we can charge 3.5, 3 to $5 million for a fucking case. Holy crap. Um, yeah. It just seems so tacked on. Like, this is, again, one of these things that you feel um, Christian would have admitted earlier on. Like, I mean, that he's admitted to Sean. He's gotten raped. Why wouldn't he admit that, you know, oh, I could move and I've done this? So, um it's just one of these convenient plot devices I feel they're going to put in here to kind of have people question him. And this is what I just don't like about the fact that Sean does. Because Christian sums it up perfectly here when he's like, if this was me, I would have had to cut you. I would have had to put a knife to your face. Um, and then kind of, you know, the way he sort of says it, like, you know, oh, this somebody's doing this to me. This is being punished, you know, for screwing Julia, for cheating on every girlfriend I've ever had. You know, and just the way he kind of like... Oh, no, that's when he's talking about uh, when he's um, uh, under the influence of the thing. Maybe he's deserving the... Yeah, that's I've got it mixed around, but it's in the same scene. But um, this is kind of then when Christian obviously gets up and he's all like, oh, I'm going back to my cell. I'm feeling a little uncomfortable in here. And this is obviously what leads him to do what he does next. But, like, it just... I just don't... This is the thing. Like, if Sean this whole time had been adamant that he believed him, that perhaps that I wouldn't be as down on a lot of this episode, but I just don't like how they put doubt into Sean's mind. Like, this isn't what should be happening here. Because, you know, yeah. it's this is Sean and Christian. This is their their bond, this this pairing. And sure, they're going to have their issues and that sort of stuff, but there should never be a level of trust. And, like, even that fourth line earlier this episode, the way Liz kind of says, like, oh, you know, what is when Sean says, like, oh, I, I, he would never do anything like that. I wouldn't, I've known him for all this time. And the way uh, Liz is like, oh, but you, you would have never assumed that he was the father of Matt. It's kind of like to compare the two. Um, so, yeah, I just don't, like, I mean, I'm not saying it's not well acted. It's very well acted. Of course it is, but it's just... I don't know. It's just, to me, a lot of convenient plot devices thrown in here just for the sake of tension, and it's just like, ugh, it doesn't sit well with me. 
Yeah, um, uh, you're right. I mean, it is, it's a hard one to to kind of get your head around about why they've decided to to do that with with Sean's character. I mean, I guess probably the, the answer is that it, it, it builds tension. Um, you know, that if, if Sean just believes in the whole time and there's really no tension in this episode, well, there's not a lot of tension, um, and it just raises the tension a whole lot more if everybody's turned on Christian. Um, so yeah, I can I can see I can see the reasons why. Um, I'm not sure that I you know that I'm on board with them. Though. I think I'm in the same camp as you, really. Um, yeah, so uh, you know, to me, then we move on to I think what is a really cool scene, which is you know the news breaks and you kind of see all these characters kind of reacting to it. Um, and I think what the show does really well is is getting these kind of um, non-verbal reactions. You know, the, the acting without any dialogue, I think, is always really good on the show. And this is a, a kind of little montage where everybody gets a chance to do that. And they all deliver really well, I think. It, it does look really good. Um, <laughs> and then totally played off by this this the scene afterwards which is this, oh god i hate dream sequences but you know it's this, this dream sequence where, where christian wakes up and he's you know it, it was all a bad dream um which in itself turns out to be a dream it just oh god i hate this stuff i always wish sure that was the ending of the episode i wish this whole episode was a dream i would buy this episode I'm, I'm like i i'm i think i'm a bit different to you on dream ones and sometimes that is a really lazy way of writing an episode oh it was all a dream but like in some aspects like i would appreciate this episode more which is a weird thing to say because it would be such a lazy way of doing an episode if they this was it this was the ending of the episode <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I guess so. It would be just like a complete kind of f you to the audience. I guess the only thing good about this is that we get Kimber in the sh- in the the dirty porn shower and get a reminder. <laughs> I love of, his of, bedroom. I love that shower. I've always wanted yeah. a bedroom where that's like the the view outside his window and just have like and not just because I want Kimber standing. When of course I would, but like just that is an awesome shower to have like a see through shower like that just over a bed. That is awesome. Yeah, it is. It's great. It's just, it's total Christian. Like, it just fits with him so well. Yeah, so, yeah, no, I really do like that, and I always have. I think it, it's really good. Um, but, yeah, dream sequences are n- not for me, I've got to say. Um, but, anyway, moving right along, and then he kind of, you know, he wakes up, and he's been released because he's been another Carver attack. Um, yeah, so, I, I mean, it, it kind of starts to put a bow on this episode, um, but it just... <laughs> kind of makes it feel really really meaningless i guess as it just kind of all resolves itself um in in a kind of pretty lame way i think yeah it's just i mean i I remember watching this live and thinking what's going on here like even i think i just didn't believe that it was a dream sequence because i just kind of it's just disjointed in kind of how they put this in there um just a quick little note i do like the fact that they bring back andrea hall randomly for a cameo it's our beloved andrea hall i just kind of like that um but yeah it's just I don't know. It's it's it's. I'm not as down on dream sequences as you are. Obviously, I really love the Julia episode last season with the dream sort of sequence. Uh, but I don't know. Like, yeah, just for the way it kind of comes out of nowhere, and then even then, kind of when you see the the cop guy at the end of his bed, and it's like you've been released. And I, I do like Christian's line though when he says like, "Isn't there some rule that I can rest in between interrogations?" <laughs> um, but yeah, like obviously, you know, the fact that there's been another victim, the, the Carver's struck. So like, you know, this is his way out, which again, I still question like, 
like there are things copycat killer. I mean, again, I'm not saying Christian's guilty, but you know, this condom evidence, which is the one key evidence to tie him to this scene and this murder and this Carver attack, is just forgotten about instantly because the Carvers yeah, attack someone else. And like, okay, we yeah, get it's it. Pretty compelling. I yeah. mean, we get why. Also, I guess is explained when we realise who the Carver victim is. I guess that maybe explains a little bit. But at the end of the day, still, like, that is the one piece of evidence that tied them enough to arrest this guy. They just can't forget about that instantly. There's still going to be... This is maybe the inevitable of how shit the Miami PD are that we kind of are picking up here on Nip Tuck. They've gone to the same ethical school as the McNamara-Troy nursing staff and the reception staff. They're just lazy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, I don't know what to say <laughs> Yeah, well, I think probably if we were going to be really detailed about this episode, then we would be looking at, does he have alibis for all the attacks? Um, you know, is there any other evidence? Because, yes, he is right that the condom could have been planted. Um, the um, tranquilizer could have been planted. Um, you know, these are these are definitely things that don't absolutely tie him to the murder. Um, so, you know, I think that there's, there's more that could be said here. Um, but, yeah, we really don't even want to go there. And I guess that's why it's so disappointing. If you're going to kind of pull the trigger on this being a big, you know, him being arrested for this crime, then you really want to see it follow through correctly um, or don't go there at all. That would be my thing. Yeah, it's... And this is, again, where you would argue as a fan of this show that when we get to the finale, and I think we, we definitely do need to take a lot of time in that episode to kind of go over elements of of these episodes where these things are kind of explained. And this is what I will definitely give Season 3 props for, and I talked about it last season, how the finale of this season is brilliant. It's, you know, arguably, I would say, the second best finale of the entire show uh, in terms of a series finale. Um third maybe second or third it's it's on par if not maybe slightly better than the season one finale which i know is a big call but uh, i really like the finale of season three um but yeah there's just so this is the thing as a viewer though like i guess kind of watching this for the first time you would assume well we're going to get answers along the way because we're clearly going to find out really who the carver is and you do and you do get it answered for the most part but it just it still just seems so many things here and just this is even this one bit here kind of when we get to grand view which you know, we often get these themes of these episodes about certain things, but just this line, this cheesy line of, it's like my whole identity changed overnight. Like, oh, like, come off it, mate. Like, that's yeah, just yeah. so on the nose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it definitely doesn't work for me, I've got to say. But, um, yeah, I, I think what probably maybe redeems this episode, for me at least, is, um, you know, I think the whole um, showdown, well, it's not really a showdown, but the dialogue between Christian and Sean um, in this, you know, this, this final kind of scene, really, of the episode where, you know, Christian explains what he's done, that he used his one phone call to call the call the media because he knew that the carver wouldn't like anyone else taking you know credit for what he's done but then that kind of leads into the whole thing with christian accusing sean of why didn't you stand next to me and, you know you're the one person who's supposed to and i think that it's really good and to me i actually like the scene more than i like the scene with his mother i think this one just works a whole lot more for me and i guess it's probably just because i i really like dylan walsh and i think these two guys when they're playing off each other well it works really really well so I actually had written down my notes. This was an awkward scene, but the more I think about it, the more I really, really like it. 
um, I, I think it is really good. And obviously it, it ends in a really good way because you kind of get this whole thing where Christian comes into his office to see, you know, we're told the latest Carver victim and he comes and he sits down and he does the tell me what you don't like about yourself, which, you know, you would think is a really, really strange thing to say to a Carver victim until you realise that it's Kit who has been attacked. And um, it's a great way to end the episode, I think. Look, and this is the thing I'll, I'll definitely give this episode credit for, which I agree with you. Like, the, the Sean Christian is brilliant. And, like, just that... that back and forth dialogue between the two when he says like yeah like i i made my phone call because i knew the carver uh wouldn't appreciate someone getting you know the credit for his work to which you know sean rightfully so says what so you're willing to risk another victim you know you know how dare you and then the way he kind of like well how dare you just leave me in there to rot everybody else had abandoned me which is true like this is exactly what it is and kind of i guess the redeeming thing about even sean not believing that he's you know um innocent is that we can get this sort of bit at the end where sort of Christian sort of has that saying. And look, I've got to be honest too, that like as much as these, I mean, this ending too is brilliant, just quickly the twist, like with Kit, wow, I was not expecting that. Um, So like that is a great twist and, you know, nominee potentially, because it's just such a, you know, I don't think anyone expects it at this scene to see Kit as a victim. It's like, holy shit, like, wow. Um, But like, I think kind of one thing too, that kind of is a bit on the nose for me leading out of this episode is that, We've just pretty much have Sean all but believe that Christian could be the carver. Christian kind of confronting him about it. It's kind of forgotten about. Next episode, you know, there's no... It's not like Christian's holding it above Sean's head. Like, oh, you thought I was a carver. Fuck you. I'm going to take some time to deal with this. So it's kind of like... I just, it's just blinking you miss forgotten about. And then kind of, um, you know, we talk about sort of cliffhangers and how they lead into it, obviously, like last episode with the, the attack on Raya and then kind of that's dealt with straight away. You know, a bit of a spoiler in terms of certain things. Uh, we don't kind of see Kit for a little bit here either. So don't expect the Kit situation to be resolved straight away because, like, Carver kind of gets forgotten about in the next episode. So... Um, well, not forgotten about. They just don't reference the carver much in the next episode, except for sort of the fallout from what happens here with the media, um, you know, coverage. But yeah, as much as I'm, you know, maybe going a certain direction with this episode, I cannot fault it for the twist at the end and the the final scene between the two. I mean, it's that is a a good way to end, and I think it's important that they did that with this episode. And maybe that's why, like, looking at this goddamn rated list here on IMDb, that maybe a lot of people hold it up that highly because you know the twist alone is great. But um, so it's just interesting. Well, the, so you go. The problem for me is that, yeah, the problem for me is that the twist would be great if it, if you come back in the next episode and you go straight into you know following up with Kit and what's happened to her. But like you say, we we don't see Kit in the next episode, so. Um, it really is kind of it's just left dangling there, really, um, because you know Kit's been brought in to be this kind of powerful detective, and now suddenly she's been completely, uh, you know, disempowered um, and and become a victim. And you know, you kind of want to see that straight away. You want to see some just some resolution to that, and you don't get it. So uh, we can't kind of you know you can't rate an episode based on how it, how it plays out in the next episode. You've got to do them you know episode by episode that's how we rate them but true it, it does kind of annoy me that this would be much more satisfying like can you imagine if we came back to this episode and we'd just seen raya being killed and then she's not in you know th- that story's not resolved at all in this yeah. episode it would have been so frustrating and i think there's lots of shows where things happen in an episode and then you expect them to be resolved in the next episode or at least be you know 
that story to be pushed along and it doesn't happen and you know walking dead i'm talking to you um <laughs> you know we, we you expect things are gonna are, are gonna be resolved and they're not and nip tuck's not normally a show that does that if they have a big cliffhanger it, it tends to be something that they resolve in the next episode they don't leave things hanging but this is a case where that does happen so um, while i can't and i'm trying not to rate this episode based on knowing that i think it is something that is in the back of my mind while i'm thinking about it for sure it's a good point you make actually the way you sort of do that um, I was just going to say before we obviously get into our uh, evil review rating section. Uh, just I'm intrigued by this IMDb ratings by on um, here by the users on IMDb because I mentioned at the end of last episode, according to IMDb users, this is the ninth best episode in the history of Nip Tuck. Um, but just looking here in terms of the ratings, the the top I guess here like twenty episodes all come from either seasons one or two, with the exception of two, three season three episodes. Uh, you don't get any season four episodes until about the twenties. No season five episodes until about the thirty spot. Uh, and I think, well, just scrolling through here, season six is rated so lowly. We don't get a season six episode until like right in the bottom middle. Um, and there's one, ep- the episode here, like the next episode when we get to Frank and Laura, which obviously we'll preview in a second, according to IMDb, that's ranked in like the bottom 15 episodes of all time, which I would say Frank and Laura is a much better episode than this. But anyway, that's my opinion. Uh, but like Connor McNamara 2026 is apparently the worst episode of Nip Tuck. That is like one of my biggest guilty pleasure amazing episodes when we get to that next season. So I think we need to do an episode just ripping shit into IMDb users and what they're voting for here, people. Come on. <laughs> yeah, well, it'd be interesting to we the two of us should probably um, maybe individually we could write up our top ten and bottom ten episodes maybe because you know if we're going to rate a hundred we'd be here a long time but um, and it'd be interesting to see to compare um, what we because I think everybody finds good and bad things but you know I I don't see this as a top ten episode I think God, no. um, yeah and I you know I think probably. Um, playing our hand here a little bit, I think probably you know, seasons one and two could probably almost make up the entire top top ten on their own. Um, and there might be a couple from this this season or maybe next season, but after that, um, I think I, next know, season I'm going to definitely defend a lot. I think season I've said this a lot. I think season four is kind of the the season that's forgotten about a lot in Nip Tuck history. And I think to me, it's such an underrated season. I think season four is a much better season overall, completely, as season three. It definitely has its missteps. But um, yeah, we'll obviously get to that. I think there's just a lot about season four, which is always gelled over by Nip Tuck fans, which I think is it's such a it's such a strong season. And it kind of it's it's really the closing of one chapter. As much as we talked about season two kind of being the end of peak Nip Tuck, I mean, obviously it is a closing of a chapter because you know post season four we're not in Miami anymore. But, um, yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. But, yeah, anyway. We are, rather. Yeah, I mean, I think we've probably said everything we need to about this episode. So we can probably move on to rating it. Um, because I think this is going to be... This this could be quite interesting. So, I mean, <sighs> I'll leave first. Where, or do you want me to go first? Do you still understand? You, go, you, you go first. You go first for once. Well, for me, I think it's a it's a clear rent. Um, because I think, while it's not the greatest episode, and there's, there's definitely things in it that annoy me, um, there's two or three really, really good scenes. Um, and I think, you know, it, they are, they're good enough to keep this in the rent category. Um, I would say that probably, I don't know, 70% of this episode is, is not good. Um, but the 30% that is good is really good. 
Um, and sometimes that's enough. Sometimes two or three great scenes is enough to, to make a good episode um, or, you know, to get it across the line as a rent. So yeah, for me, it is a rent, but uh, it's, 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 we're getting closer to Ben all the time with me. Mm. Um, I know I haven't had one yet, but we are getting close. Yeah, you haven't had a bin yet, actually. I'm surprised. Um, mm. Very surprised, actually. Yeah, I might have to go for only my second bin here. I think I'm going to. I just, um, I mean, it's kind of a lot with what I had with Agatha Rip. It's just, if I'm going to sit down and watch random Nip Tuck episodes and kind of think about it, like, this is just not in my top 50, top 60, top 70, uh, top 80 episodes I want to watch, you know. This isn't a Nip Tuck episode to me. This is a CSI Miami episode. And, you know, I'm not saying that there, there are... Um, you know, not good moments in this episode. There is a far worse episode this season yet to come, which, you know, straight away, as I said, I can pretty much guarantee I'm going to bin that episode. Um, this might, to me, be in the bottom 10 episodes in that top 100 list. Uh, and, you know, I kind of think we're kind of working out on our third watch and lost ones that when we get to the end that, you know, whether we do a whole... We're not probably going to do a whole episode on it, but we might individually come up with our... We rank all the episodes in order, but, yeah, we come on an episode and just give our top 10 and bottom 10, and then we can publish our full list online if people want to see it. But, um, yeah, I might push this could possibly be in my bottom 10 of all time, but, uh, yeah, it's just... It just leaves a, a foul taste in my mouth, and I kind of said at the end of last episode, I don't know where I'm going with it. I kind of think maybe this episode, the more I get worked up about talking about it, that at the end of the day, I'm going to think that, yeah, it's, it's really swayed me towards a bin. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I've i given my second bin on Nip Tuck, and you haven't even given one yet. But at least this time around, I'm like where I binned Agatha Rapp, and you bought it. At least you rented this one to make me feel a little bit better. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. All right, well, I think that probably uh, wraps us up for this episode, but we can kind of get into Frank and Laura and where we're going next, um, <laughs> which is, yeah, I mean, it's a, a, a change of pace for sure. I mean, we're getting back into kind of more kind of nip-tuck stuff. We're getting back into, um, you know, the, the the more medical stuff that we're used to, but we're getting a, 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 a big dose of Gina as well. Oh, so, um, yes. You know, if, if you're a Gina fan, you're probably going to be happy about that. Um yeah, I mean, is there anything else you want to kind of tease with the, with the next episode? Well, look, I mean, Frank and Laura, because it's interesting, we talked about how, like, the main cast of this season, how Jean is kind of added as a main cast member. It takes us to episode six for her to be in the damn show. Um, <laughs> and this is kind of where I've, I've alluded to a little bit, where I actually don't mind what they do with Julia this season when they eventually get to this Delamere sort of storyline, which um, I like. I don't like how it ends up, because... This is kind of Julia goes to medical school 2.0 because it just spoiler alert it just kind of goes away out of nowhere so it's kind of like huh um what was the point of that but while it's there I kind of enjoy it so it's it's an interesting episode Frank and Laura because you know it's definitely we're back to a lot of classic nip tuck stuff I mean the the storyline we talk about taboo I mean holy crap it's just Ryan Murphy's just gone to his taboo dictionary and gone okay incest okay necrophilia uh okay <laughs> creepy guy in jail uh yeah he's just gone to everything there um but it's just yeah I it's it's an interesting one. Uh, it's kind of it's it's a memorable one though. Uh, whether or not that makes it like an outstanding episode, or you know, you can still have memorable bad episodes. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it's it's an interesting one to talk about, whether you like it or not. There's uh, there's definitely plenty to talk about on the episode. So yeah, I mean, um, definitely looking forward to uh, to kind of covering that out. I guess. Mm. 
And um, just quickly, the guy who plays sort of the the creepy guy in jail, Silas, I really like him. He's been in 24 and a few other things I've watched. So I look forward to talking about him. He's a great actor. Yeah, and it's always fun to see these these actors kind of come along. Um, you know, and sometimes you know them, sometimes you don't, but there's always these great actors that turn up for one episode. It, it, it's always good fun. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, well, I guess that kind of uh, closes us out. Um, you know, looking forward to um, to hearing what people say. I'm, I'm always keen to get some feedback. I'm not sure we ever get any, Ben, but I'm always <laughs> interested to, to hear what people are thinking. Um, I know you're listening. We, we definitely know people are listening to these episodes, so I'd, I'd love to know what people are thinking because um, the feedback would be really good. So you know where to find us, the, the usual social media outlets, uh, Facebook, um, Twitter, Instagram. Um, don't think we're quite on Snapchat yet, are we? No, I'm not opposed to Snapchat. The one I often say is we're definitely not on his Tumblr because we're not 14-year-old girls. But, um, you know, <laughs> Snapchat, sure. But YouTube, we, but we, are, do, we are doing YouTube. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's all good. Um, yeah, so, um, you know, get in touch with us and, and rate us on iTunes. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. But um, I guess un, un, until then, um, uh, this has been another episode, and I've been Nick. And um, if I'm not home by 10 o'clock and deep in the beer and Chinese food, I'll have my lawyer sue you for defamation of character, false arrest, and if possible, being a royal bitch. <laughs> my name is Ben, and you think I'm a killer? I make zero dollars a year. I'm a podcast host. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.